Okay, and then this part. Oh, it's working. <laughs> Welcome to Photography Chat with Merlin. <laughs> Photography Who Chat did this? with Merlin. Um, Mocha only did it for me. Amazing. Yeah, it's um, it's kind of funny. I bought a skateboard off of him. Um, oh shit, like maybe like seven, eight years ago, and okay. um, had no idea it would turn into. Um, some kind of friendship and uh yeah he's a really interesting cat and you know it's always good to support your pals so yeah absolutely yeah how, how are you doing i'm okay um i just got in so good timing yeah so it's uh we're photography chat uh season three episode uh six with ashley and is it six yes it is the sixth episode. And what's Toronto like tonight? Um, it's kind of mild, so it's kind of nice. Like, uh, I guess. I mean, as far as winter goes, like, it's kind of mild. I mean, it's nice, but also obviously not nice, because mild's not good. But, you know, uh, I am enjoying wearing a lighter coat. Um, other than that, I don't know. Toronto is the same. Yeah, you guys kind of got spanked a little hard with uh, with snow there for a bit. We really did. Uh, yeah, my street still the sidewalks aren't like loud, <laughs> so I assume it's just gonna be like this now. Well, you know, maybe the Freedom Convoy can like grab some shovels and uh, you know dig stuff up when they come to ten. <laughs> oh my god! I oh boy. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> next subject. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to, like, trigger you right out of the gate. <clears throat> <laughs> no, no, not at all. So, oh, why, why don't you take a second to, like, oh, hey, it's Kitty. What's up, guy? <laughs> Sir Theodore. Yeah. I haven't seen Theodore in ages. Oh, He's like, obviously, you can't do this without me, lady. <laughs> He's very feisty. He looked like he was about to, like grab me so yeah no he'll he'll come back though he'll be very intrigued he'll he'll be upset that i'm ignoring him so he'll he'll be back as as cats usually do that's kind of normal for them, right yeah absolutely <laughs> so why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself um okay so i'm ashley i uh <laughs> um i just saw someone someone what they said the freedom conver <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, Chris. I, I mentioned the uh, flu trucks clan. Uh, what is it? The flu trucks clan? Yeah. Flu trucks clan. Yeah. Anyway, that has nothing to do with who I am. Uh, yes. I am. Uh, I am a fine artist uh, and photographer and retoucher out of Toronto. Uh, I obviously wear a lot of hats, uh, but I primarily work uh, with portraiture and. In the retouching world, I do a lot of commercial stuff with like food and products. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm not really great at talking about myself, so that's about that's as much fair. As, like, so I'm just—I've always been kind of curious about the retouching thing, and I, I never um, thought to ask it when we were hanging out in Toronto. Like, how did you get into retouching? Um. I have always really enjoyed photo editing. Like when I, I went to school uh, for photography, 
and we had like editing classes and I always just really enjoyed that part process. Uh, and then a few years ago, I applied for a job with like a small uh, little company here in Toronto that was looking for a retoucher to help them out. Uh, and I started doing that and I really liked it just like sitting and just focusing on editing and it wasn't my work that I was editing. And, um, I, I kind of enjoyed getting to like separate myself a little bit because I'm, I don't know, I know you work a lot in film, so you're probably not spending a ton of time in post, but like when you're editing your own work, you can get like so attached to it and then it can take forever. So it's kind of nice getting to just like detach and just do a process. Uh, and then honestly, when the pandemic hit and I like couldn't really work, like I wasn't able to do portrait sessions. Uh, I actually stopped working for that company because they, they weren't getting work. So they didn't need me. I decided that like, I would just focus more on trying to get more of those jobs. It meant I could just be at home and I didn't have to like worry too much about being out in the world. And I started focusing more on building retouching work and client base and stuff. And now it's like pretty big part of what I do on it. Like a like week to week basis, um, as a lot, a lot of it is doing retouching. Uh, cause I honestly really love it. I'm really good at it. And being an artist just kind of like informed that, like I have, I'm good at finding creative solutions to those kinds of problems. And, uh, I actually just really genuinely enjoy it. So, uh, it's been fun kind of getting to focus on that. That's really cool. I, I'm kind of curious. So it's like when you're retouching, you're seeing like a variety of different work then, cause it's coming from all kinds of different creatives. Mm -hmm. Do you find like when you're seeing that like vast variety of work that um, being exposed to that kind of maybe influences you or gives you ideas to try something different because you didn't you know, saw something in one of the projects you were working on that uh, you're just like, hey, that's kind of neat. Maybe I'll, I'll give that a shot. Honestly, sometimes, uh, so I sometimes work with wedding photographers, which isn't an area that I work in much as a photographer. So I was working with a, uh, a photographer here in Toronto uh, a bit through the last, her last two previous seasons. And she's really, really good. And I loved getting to see her approach. And I ended up shooting a wedding in the summertime. And I definitely found myself kind of like thinking about like, I wonder like what spring would do, you know? And like that kind of helped me. I think it made, it made me better at that job because I just like, I did have a little bit of influence from seeing what I really loved about what she did and kind of just like adapting maybe a little bit um, in, in, in an area that I don't really work a ton, it was, it was kind of nice to be able to pull a little bit and just think a little differently instead of like approaching it, how I might usually approach it. I tried to like look at it a little differently and, and I found that influence really, really helpful. Uh, so it definitely does influence things I do sometimes. That's really cool. Yeah. I, you're right, like, because I, I predominantly shoot film, I don't spend a lot of time editing. Well, I didn't spend a lot of time editing, but, you know, since moving to Vancouver and losing the easy access that I'd taken so for granted to downtown camera, um, mm -hmm. I found myself shooting more digital. And, um, you know, I know that you're a, a big Nikon fan, and I, I do love my Nikon film cameras, but I have switched to Fuji for digital since moving to Vancouver. I mean, I'm not like, 
I'm not an icon, bro. It's just okay. like because of circumstance. Like I went to a school that was a Nikon school, so we learned on Nikon. And then I got a job at Nikon and I had access to Nikon and I learned a lot about how the gear worked. So it's like hard for me to want to leave because I understand like an inner workings of their cameras that I wouldn't I don't have that knowledge of any other like company. Not to say it would never switch. It's just like, you know, I just, the effort. That's fair. Yeah. You know, it's a lot of effort. And personally, because of the kind of things that I focus on, I just don't think that switching to any brand, like I don't think it's going to make a difference to what I'm doing. Like it's not like, I understand where there are benefits and pros and cons of like everyone, but I just genuinely don't think it's going to affect me. So I, uh, uh, why go through all that, you know? No, I, I totally agree with that. And like the main reason that I, I ended up switching was um, the Nikon that I had. I didn't really like it for street photography. It was just too chunky because mm -hmm. I had a D six ten, and it just like, and which is a, a, it is well, and it's a hilarious Boy. thing to thing to say that the D six ten is too chunky when like my main camera that I use almost all the time is a Nikon F five, and that thing is like an absolute tank, but. It, absolutely it doesn't it, well it's different it doesn't feel like a tank when you're using it like the i don't know the the 610 it just felt kind of awkward like it was kind of small but it wasn't it was just like i don't know i just i never really enjoyed the camera the whole time i owned it and then that's fair uh big head taco convinced me to uh give fuji a, a fighting chance and um you know now we have a toxic relationship <laughs> you know i like fuji and if i was going to switch like i feel like they would be a pretty good like chance that i would switch um i have thought about uh wanting to change my camera setup because like when i'm out and about i do find my setup just so com like it's so cumbersome and like i don't like taking it out but uh, you know i don't know i bought i ended up buying a point and shoot like a leica uh, I think point and shoot. Oh, nice. uh, that's, it's like, I think it's like a, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's like a crop sensor situation, but like it, it allows me to have something on my person that doesn't weigh a million pounds. So that one, that one's my only other one for now. Yeah. Chris made a sideways comment here. He's like, all that Nikon experience is still trumped by the opinion of one Nikon bro who just switched yesterday. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> I I worked at Nikon and dealt with a lot of customers, so I got to definitely experience the Nikon bro sometimes. So how how did you end up at Nikon? Uh, because of my school, we had like a close relationship. They do they have a close relationship with Nikon. Uh, I ended up getting an internship there between semesters or between years or whatever. I got an internship. Uh, a paid internship at least uh, at, at my con. And then when I graduated, they offered me uh, a full-time job. Um, but it was, it was, it, while I was around cameras, it wasn't like I was shooting or doing anything creative. So I, I didn't last very long. Uh, it just wasn't, it's, it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. So. That's fair. So it was like more of a, like a customer support kind of thing. Yeah. I did like tech support. And oh no. Yeah. So like people <laughs> would call to be like, my camera doesn't turn on or like have some of sometimes it would be really simple things. And then sometimes it would be like, I would have to like research, like how someone, people, people would stump me every day. Like they had the craziest questions or trying to do something. And like, 
it, but the upside is that I learned, that's why I learned so much about the inner workings. I worked with like the repair people and I got to like understand a little more about how they worked. And that, that's like really valuable information to have about your camera, which is why I'm so resistant to give it up. I, I wouldn't blame you either. I'd be in the same boat. It, it's just yeah. so weird because like I'm not gentle to any of my equipment and it still works pretty well. So it's like I can't fathom like what other people do to their things that break them oh, in such wild ways. What was the yeah. wildest thing you saw? Uh, oh, man. There was like after the eclipse, there was an eclipse that happened. Had a bunch of people come in to be like, there's something wrong with my shutter. And... You know, just knowing the date, I'm like, oh, this person, like, totally, they are describing a problem, having, like, a black spot, like, in the viewfinder. I'm like, oh, do you, like, take pictures of the eclipse? <laughs> and, like, And then they burned the opening, sensor out? Oh, it, no, it was actually that, so, I don't know if you've ever looked in your, in the body and lifted up the sensor, and there's, like, the shutter blades behind it. Yeah. Like, there was straight up, like, a hole burned through the shutter blades, from like pointing it at the eclipse Holy that was shit. i like it was just like perfectly like laser cut through the the shutter blades that was probably one of the craziest things i saw where i was like whoa like right through there and, and i thought it was kind of amazing um and it's a really expensive repair and when you look at them like if you look at the part just out it just looks like some plastic uh but it's it's a very expensive repair to have done yeah, Boy Buddha here says, can vouch that repairs going to Nikon were unreal, former camera store Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, Vanessa worked for Henry's. I don't think she still does. That's fair. Oh, Henry's. Yeah, oh, Henry's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in, in the photo school, I know uh, an, another friend of ours you went to school with there, one of my favorite people to take photos with, Mara. Yeah, yeah, that's how I met Mara. That's cool. So, like, what in like, how did you get started? Like, interested in photography and and um, you know, wanting to pursue this path. Well, I've like kind of always been taking pictures. You know, like growing up, I was always like the kid who would have a camera. Uh, and then when I was sixteen, I bought my first DSLR, and. I really wanted to take pictures of bands. I like grew up in the music scene in St. Catharines, like going to shows and I wanted to be more involved with it. And uh, I, um, I ended up buying a DSLR and I started like, sometimes I would shoot, like bring it to concert, like shows or whatever, uh, downtown St. Catharines and I'd shoot bands, uh, tried shooting pictures, like, you know, landscapes or whatever. Uh, and then I kind of like just built on that for like the next however long, eight, years maybe and then um I I lived abroad for a while and I moved home and I had like no plan in front of me I like moved home from Ireland had quit my job there I was back home and kind of just like didn't know what to do I was like you know I didn't want to do what I was doing before I left Canada I didn't want to do what I was doing in Ireland uh, even though I liked it, it was like not the thing I wanted to like move forward with. And then I kind of was just stuck. Like I just, I just didn't know. And, um, uh, my, my then mother-in-law, uh, who I was staying with at the time, she used to be a guidance counselor and she always like was good to kind of like give guidance and advice and stuff. And she kind of like 
like even she was like a little snarky about it was like I don't understand why you just don't like be a photographer <laughs> and you clearly really like it and I was like yeah well like I like a lot of things and like you know that's not a realistic career path she's like oh why not and so I was like fine whatever I'm not doing anything better with my life like I'll just apply for some schools and we'll see what happens and uh I like a week before I think a week before the open house I got accepted to Niagara and I went and I checked out the studio and I was like yeah okay fine you know I'll go and I'll try and and if you know I can always drop out and get my money back within the first like month or whatever so I thought it was just like I wasn't doing anything better with my time and then um I ended up like you know first day was like oh yeah this is the thing like I just loved it um, and kind of just like fell right into it. So then the rest is history, I guess. That's fair. It's an interesting way to get started. Um, I was also curious about like, you know, some of the work that you, you sent in and shared and some of the stuff you, you, you post, like the manipulations you do and stuff like, you know, what, uh, what was the, um, sort of thing that made you think of trying that like going down that path with like creating these really surreal um sometimes visceral images uh so school again uh we had a project in my studio photography class to create a composite that was like you had to shoot all the parts in the studio um and and yeah that was like the first project and i i like hated it i hated the project so much it was just like I'd never done anything like that before. And I'm like a perfectionist and re really detail oriented when it comes to editing. So I just like tortured myself over it and I really hated doing it. Um, but then my teacher, my one teacher, she loved it. She was like, it's amazing. I love it. Um, she had another assignment and she was like, I want you to do this. I want you to do five of them. I was like, okay. I, I didn't have a better idea for this assignment. So I just, accepted her suggestion and after doing five more of them I just like loved it I was like yeah okay I love it I like being able to create this like combination of reality and fantasy or surrealism or or what have you I liked being able to kind of take take a part of reality and just like I don't know yeah change it I don't know do whatever my brain thinks about uh i just really enjoyed that process um and it allowed me to combine something that i really love like i take all the photography like all the photos that i use on my work are, are things that i've taken uh so i get to combine that skill and then like i don't know it's like more fun uh it makes me kind of like i've never really been into like drawing or anything like that but it sort of feels like that when i'm creating it it feels more like like more physical, even though I'm creating something that's digital, the process feels much more physical and feels like I'm creating something like with my hands, sort of. I mean, yeah, I, I can see that. Like you, you definitely do create some like interesting environments with, uh, with some of the images you've created. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I've always really dug, uh, dug that work. I, it, are you at some point ever thinking of like maybe like putting a book together or like doing like a showing of um, of your stuff? For sure, a uh, book would definitely be a down the line goal. Uh, I just I'm not in a place where I think I have enough things to warrant that, but it's something I absolutely see down the line. I 
I do have a goal this year to have my work uh, have some sort of show of some sort. I, I've taken part in like two shows, but they weren't my shows. I was just like a part of them. Mm. Uh, I really want to put together my own show, hopefully this year, um, because I have a lot more work now to show. And I have some projects that I'm like working through that I would love to see like printed really big. That would be really cool. Like when you and say like, really big, like how big? Like, um, like ideally probably at least like 24 by 36, Damn, I'd say. Huge. Yeah. I have one actually of Mara that I created. Um, I have it printed 24 by 36 and it looks great. And I love seeing it big. Like I envision creating like a piece that fits an entire wall. Like, you know, there's, I can't think of a specific movie, but there's definitely like movies or shows where they go into like a rich person's house and she has like this like commissioned piece of her that takes up the whole wall. And it's probably like some hot painting of her or something, but like that, like energy of something that just takes up the entire space. Like I want, I want to do that. (laughs) Maybe not for the show this year. Like that's a bit big, but like, that's, that's like, that's what I would like to do. I want to make some like really big, big art that makes me think of um mod from the big lebowski like the, the okay. painting lady in it where she makes these like massive uh massive paintings and things and i've never yeah. i've never seen the big lebowski <laughs> sorry my bad <laughs> um it's a great movie um you know even jeff bridges um you know attests to that he's just like he's a clicker and he admitted on like some interview he's like I get sucked into them. I, I'm just like, I'll just like watch five minutes and it's like, I'll just watch the part when John Turturro licks the ball. And then it just like, you know, <laughs> he's like, I, then I end up just watching the whole damn thing. Cause it's so good. Yeah, for sure. I love this comment uh, here that they love to see more designs uh, or mini books instead of scrolling. And I totally agree. I like definitely want to contribute to more physical media. I think it would be nice to see more. I loved like, when you released your book, I was really excited. I was like, yes, okay. I like want to have something tangible, you know, it's, it's so nice looking at things tangibly and we don't do it enough anymore. Thank you. I, I appreciate you that supporting that too. Like that was, I, I struggled with it a little bit cause it had been made for several fucking months <laughs> and I was just like, yeah. do I put it out or not? Like it felt a little personal and stuff. Um, yeah. But, you know, it, it was also, like, I didn't do it the way that I really wanted to release it. Because I kind of wanted to do, like, the first book where I did, like, a limited run of them that I, like, prepaid for myself that people could buy for me. And then I, like, I signed them and, like, gave each one, like, a, everyone got a print um, with them mm. kind of thing. That's cool. And that was part of why I pushed it, um pushed it out for so long after it was made was because I was just like I didn't have um the capacity to like do all that work and I'm like oh maybe soon it'll come back because it's just um yeah you know since the the head stuff um you know just I'm not the same person that I was when I made the first book (laughs) In, in in a lot of different ways um but then I was just like I need to get this out before the end of 2021 because the inside of it says 2021 and I don't want to fuck around with InDesign and change things. 
I love that. Hey, that's a really good excuse to like stick to a deadline. Like, you know what? I'm not open, opening up that design again. I'm not doing it. Like, I mean, it got it out. Yeah, it did. Um, and, and, you know, I can't uh, speak better of blurb at all. Like I've been really happy with, uh, with how they've done. And I've seen several other projects that have gotten released on blurb and, um, if you're thinking of doing like zines or photo books or anything like that's a great platform to uh to utilize yeah definitely i did check it out a bit when i after i bought your book and it got me thinking a little because i would like to create some more collaborative projects like put something out that also gets like where i get to highlight and like bring attention to like other people too so that it isn't just about me i would love to like make things all about me uh periodically but uh <laughs> i do think that would be also really amazing to get to find like a common thread to then like create around um, and, and be able to bring other people in, bring other people in on it. Um, so that's something I've definitely been noodling, noodling a little with. Yeah. And, and that kind of stuff is really great. Like that was, um, that was something that Becca did with Northern film collective um, last mm. year was um, you know, putting out the, the volume one of, uh, you know, Canadian film photography and um, you know, volume two is, is pending. Like she's got all the submissions, but, uh, you know, again, like the pandemic has weared all of us down a bit and, uh, you know, we're all sort For of stretched sure. thin. So, you know, it's, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to maintain creative practice sometimes in, in all of this. Like, how have you been finding that for yourself? Uh, yeah, not, no, not good. Not good at all. Um, uh, it's really hard to be able to upkeep it. Because, like, accessing creative energy, like, that brain space, it's really hard to do when you're, like, we're all kind of collectively in this, like, survival mode. And it's really hard to uh, access creative energy when your sort of brain is just, like, trying to stay, like, with it, you know? Yeah. Um, so I've definitely struggled with my creative practice. And I'm I'm trying to, like carve out more space trying to make it like a little more enjoyable take a little bit of pressure off but it's really it's it's been really hard uh and I really want to create more this year last year I definitely did not make as many things as I would have liked and and I'm hoping to change that but I'm also just not holding myself to any sort of specific schedule or or standard with it because I just I just can't so I'm not going to Chris says, I tricked my brain with booze to think it's safe. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a big 2020 uh, vibes right there, buddy. <laughs> oh, yeah. A little bit, eh? Um, yeah, we all became alcoholics a little bit. He drinks a beer. I'm like, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely, though. Yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It, you're, you're totally right, because we all kind of are in this, like, collective survival mode is like you know our, our worlds are still somewhat on pause as everyone's trying to figure out what the fuck is happening um and it, it is so yeah. hard to like you know be like i want to think of cool things when you're like i don't really even want to get out of bed today <laughs> oh yeah for sure or if you're just like i need to do a thing that makes me money so that i at least don't lose my apartment you know like that's like where i'm at a lot of days where i'm like oh i can't do this i just need to do like things so that i have like work coming in or whatever and it's it's hard to like also do the fun things 
you know, when you're in that zone. It is. And, and that was like, I guess one of the probably naive hopes I had from like the initial part of the pandemic when, um, you know, people were just getting paid to stay at home was like, you know, I kind of hoped that the government would realize, hey, this is actually not really a bad idea when you consider how much is spent on other um, social programs and things like that to like just give people a living wage so they don't have to be stressed out about existing. Because it was sure. really interesting, like talking to friends, being like, you know, that, that we're doing the Serb thing and stuff that were like, holy shit, like this is the first time I've actually been able to like not feel stressed out. And like some of them were even able to save a bit of money because, you know, they were actually getting paid more to be on Serb than they were from their jobs, which speaks volumes about how shitty our employment situation is for a large group of people in our country. Yeah, considering $2,000 is not a lot, especially no. if you're in a city, like it's not a lot, but yeah, like it's still, yeah, it was like, it was still, it was great. Um, uh, I definitely was super productive for like a small spell early on. Uh, I created like a, a small series uh, during the early stages of the pandemic because I had that space and I had like, I didn't have to stress about paying my rent and we were kind of in limbo. Um, and it was like, I was able to to access that creative space and be like chill about it. Um, but it, it's different. It's, it's much different now because we're in limbo, in a limbo that is like, theoretically non never ending kind of thing well yeah like that's the the reality is that this this virus is not going anywhere anytime soon and so it's just we need to learn how to adapt our society to um just live with it instead of throwing tantrums about it mm. <laughs> you know? yeah. um <clears throat> it's yeah um yeah, I'm, I'm just, gonna hit the buzzer on that. I feel like we should move to a different topic. Yes. I, I don't want to talk about this. No, uh, I, just because I think we all talk about it so much, and it's so easy to slip back into it. It is. You're right. Um, move. Moving on. So, um, <laughs> what are some things that you've been thinking about wanting to try that you haven't worked on yet, or like things that are sort of like you know ideas that are just like tickling the fringes of your your mind right now? Hmm. Oh, that's a great question. Um, I don't, I don't have anything that like is jumping to mind immediately. Like I have a notebook full of ideas in terms of self portraits that I want to explore, like, uh, like art concepts, uh, that I want to create. Um, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't have anything specific that's jumping to mind. I do know that I want to create, like when I was mentioning earlier about a collaborative work, um, I have thought about, like, I really want to create a collaborative work amongst fat creators, like artists okay. or photographers. Um, like ideally centering fatness as well as subject matter, like in terms of create the creators and also the subject matter. Like I want that to be the whole thing um but i haven't really fleshed out where i'd want to see that go or like how i'd want it to come together but it's something that i i do want to kind of keep like percolating about because um you know sometimes it's like one or the other like i see fat 
artist centered about art that's not about fatness fine it's not like it all has to be and and also sometimes there's a lot of fat art made by people who aren't fat and i i just want to see like both at once you know Mm -hmm. i just that's i like to be a focus point for something like maybe like a zine or like something or a zine zine is a zine or zine i said it both ways during this i think zine maybe i'm not sure probably because when i look at the word i think zine Anyway, it I does digress. it does look like Zion when when you when you look at it. I I can totally see that there. That Oh, and I would really like to create a small series of weird fucking art around my cat. Honestly, <laughs> I I do. Like I want to create some like weird shit. I don't know if she's still on this. She joined earlier, but my best friend Hannah, she made this like ridiculous digital art piece. Like she's an, an illustrator uh of theodore like with these like big jacked up arms and it's so ridiculous and i just like want to make some weird art where he's like the center point and photoshopping him into some weird things i mean that's a totally silly project uh but it will bring me joy yeah like when you said that i kind of pictured like renaissance theodore yeah like absolutely absolutely especially with the face he's giving right now that would be a perfect Uh, absolutely i I very much imagine some like renaissance vibes um maybe him being treated like a lord you know um he is a sir after all (laughs) you can you could have him like dressed up like a knight or something in one of them (laughs) absolutely these are great ideas i'm gonna put it in the book uh for his his i just think like it's one of those weird things too that like i don't know animal stuff is always so successful like in terms of like not not to be that i make any decision from a content creation standpoint but animal stuff goes like gangbusters so i I do have that thought where i'm like people will love it like they'll love seeing weird ass art of my big fluffy cat yeah i i would buy that book yeah right give the people what they want um <laughs> He's like, why are you poking me for, lady? <laughs> He's great. That I, I mean, those are great ideas. Um, I, I really like the idea about like you know the finding a way to like you know focus and encourage um, more work around like you know fatness and stuff because it does have it does have a heavy stigma around it still, which is not yeah, cool. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's like, yeah, I'm not a very big person, but I still feel weird about taking photos of myself and when people take photos of me. Um, I get that, yeah. Yeah. It's hard, like, yeah, there is still so much stigma, of course, and um, I've seen the way that my exploration of myself in my work has had an effect on people, like having people reach out to me about how like they see themselves you know like like people who have bodies that look like mine are like i don't see a lot of bodies that look like mine and your body reminds me of mine and i look at this and i feel good you know and like that that effect is so powerful because it's definitely the thing that's helped me get to a place is seeking that out elsewhere um so it's it's been really important for me seeing that effect kind of ripple out and like 
it, it makes a big difference. It, it really still is very important. And uh, yeah, I would love to be able to, yeah, just like find, just like, yeah, a way to like bring more, more like diversity of it together. So it isn't just like a one me doing it all. Like I want to highlight, there's such a variety of fat artists and like, and, and variety of like experiences lived in different kinds of fat bodies. And I like love to be able to bring all of that kind of together for people to see in a way that is like joyful and positive and isn't like, I don't want it to feel like difficult or challenging to pursue per, peruse. Like I want it to feel joyful and, and good and like just like a really positive experience to, to like look through it. Yeah. I, I think that's like very important work. And like, I've, I've found that um, a lot of your work is like, been very powerful to to look at and to to consume because it just like it's coming from a, a different perspective and it's very different from like the norms like when you're scrolling through the instagram and you just see like all of the regular stuff and you it just mm. you kind of start to become numb to all that because it's normal and then like your work very much stands out and it's, it's very powerful and empowering and um you know i i like seeing that and just even like Yesterday I was scrolling through TikTok because that's, I don't really like, I don't scroll through Instagram as much anymore, but like, you know, I will admit that like I fuck around with TikTok a lot more than I probably should. But yeah, yeah. Um, there's this dude that ended up on my For You page and he's like a, a rather husky lad that likes doing sexy dances and he's just so happy about it. I was just like, God damn, like, you know, he's getting me all excited. I want to do some sexy dances now. Absolutely. Like that effect is so important. Like, especially if you're in a body that you're not used to seeing reflected in the world around you in a positive way, because like we see fat people in media and they're often portrayed as like stupid and lazy and full of strife. Even if it's like positive, it's still based around a story of strife about them. Like, struggling with their body or overcoming this or like whatever like like it's so much of it can be very heavy and bad and negative and not in a, in a way that feels good so seeing that that's so simple seeing someone just dancing around feels like objectively speaking it's very basic mm-hmm. but like you're not used to seeing that uh, i'm seeing your body there dancing and moving and feeling joyful and it's like, it's a very powerful feeling and it it allows you to like reframe how you look at yourself. You know, like I find myself, you know, the, the journey to feeling good about your body is not a straight line. So I still struggle a lot with like, I have my days where I feel real shitty. And like, when I come across, like I've made a real effort to diversify the bodies that I view in the media as much as I can in the corners I can control. And when I come across art or photos of bodies that look like mine and I look at them and I'm like, oh my God, I love this. This looks great, beautiful. I'm like, you know, if I can look at this objectively and be like, that kind of reminds me of me and I can feel so good about it, then like I can also do that in the mirror, you know? And it like, it does make a difference and it does help the way that we, we look at ourselves. And it's interesting that you mentioned to specifically seeing like uh, like a fat dude, because like I had someone respond um, to me the other day 
to one of my posts talking about how like he like really loves following me and like people similar to me um, that he mentioned as well. And he's like, it's, you know, it's really good. It makes me feel good. But I like wish I saw more of this of me, like, cause he's, um, he, he's a man and he's like, he doesn't see himself reflected in what he's viewing. And like it, it's like, because I get so focused on like, you know, one area of fat liberation, it's really easy to forget that it's like not an experience that is determined by gender. Like we all experience that feeling if we're in a larger body. And I was like, wow, yeah, of course, like you aren't seeing as many people, like um, as many men that look like you just like existing happily or making art about themselves or whatever. And that's definitely been like rattling around in my brain of like how to, okay, so like, here's a gap that exists. Like, how can I contribute to filling it? I don't know. But I do think there's something there. Um, and I am really, it's fortuitous timing for you to mention that. Like, I'm really happy to hear that, like, you were able to come across that and that it, like, had that effect. Because I just, it's so important. It, it absolutely is. And <clears throat> I, I think, like, you know, there's probably not as much content for for um you know males and, and people that identify as male um because there's a lot more sort of like stigma with that where it's just like the the portrayal of like you know the manly man kind of thing is such a insidious toxic fucking sham like it's 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 a it's a mind fuck for sure and um the last time I was in Toronto, a friend and I did um, a photo experiment. And um, one of the things that I've been making more of an effort to do is when um, when I'm shooting with people, um, when I have the opportunity to work with another creative that like can also you know take pictures too, I like to sort of flip it around if they're open to it to be like, okay, like you're getting me to take pictures of you, like, would you be open to taking, like, pictures of me? Because if I'm wanting people to be comfortable to take pictures with me, then I should be comfortable with other people taking pictures of me. Because mm -hmm. um, I, I don't like the idea of it being all so one-sided, where it's just, like, you know, when you think about, like, you know, most photographers, like, and yeah, all of us say the same thing. It's like we like being behind the camera more than we like being in front of it. And um, I've been working to make more of a conscious effort to sort of reduce that. Um, but I just still found myself so uncomfortable trying to like um, get into that sort of the, the mindset of getting into those photos because it's just like all of those things like, you know, 40 odd years of like fucking indoctrination of like what you're supposed to act like what you're supposed to look like all these things like you know i know better than all of those things but like they still <laughs> they still come back and kind of like you know get your confidence and make you start second guessing yourself and then all of a sudden you're feeling uncomfortable and you know it's like i was a tiny bit disappointed with how the pictures came back because i could see that like rigidness and that like discomfort <laughs> and oh <laughs> He's like, lady, pay attention. He to wants, me. Yeah, he's like, pay attention to me. I'm gonna <laughs> scratch up your chair. Sorry, continue. No, no, it's fine. But it was just, it was interesting. Like when I, I got the pictures back, and I could just see that, like the discomfort and the like, you know, um, uh, self confidence and, and whatnot. Um, 
and yeah, I, I think that's something more more people need to work on. And it's it's also just crazy, like how ingrained these things have become into us, where it, it is acceptable to like you know have these feelings towards larger people about them, like you know being stupid or like whatever. Like fuck my my folks still like talk about like weight and all this shit all the time and like i shut it down when they, they start bringing it up because it's just like you know look i've struggled with like weight stuff but like when i was like younger when i first left the house i would catch myself sometimes like judging people because that's like what i grew up with it's like you know fucking judge people and i just remember this one time at I was at the Ikea in Coquitlam in like, must have been like 2004 or something. And I just saw this like large dude just like fucking having a time with some cake. And the like sort of judgment shit from like my, my childhood and stuff just like immediately like went to like this like terrible judgment of this person. And then I was like, wait a minute, you fucking like cake. If you had a piece of cake in front of you, you'd just be as fucking happy as that guy is right now. Why are you shitting on this guy for, like, enjoying cake when you also enjoy cake? <laughs> like, and that's always stuck with me is just, like, a, we're all the same, even though we all look different. And Absolutely. it's just shitty that, like, some, well, it's not just, it, it's really shitty that, like, people take prejudice and abuse other people just because they look different. And that can be like assigned to a plethora of different things, not just fatness, but of course. Also. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, of course it's like a very large area that exists. Um, that's like all different intersections of kind of like marginalization, uh, yeah, it's it's wild because the more, you know, the work the more work I dig into like my like uh you know, dismantling the anti-fatness within myself, like but and the more we learn collectively about it, it's like so obvious so much of it comes down to like a lot of it comes down to like capitalism and mm -hmm. racism. Like yeah. both of those things. Like, uh, like, because the diet industry is huge. Like, literally, it's like a massive money-making machine. So it's it's really profitable to make people hate themselves. And, like, in anything else, in anything else in the world, if something had, like, I don't know, I can't remember what the exact set is, but, like, 90% fail rate or something for diets. Like, anything else, we wouldn't give it the merit we do diets. But because it's around fatness, it's just, like, all these things go out the window where we don't, like, um, think critically enough about the information. Uh, and not, like, and I mean, when you're sold this idea of, like what people are supposed to look like or like what it's supposed to feel like to be thin or whatever. And also when you pair that with the way that generally speaking, we treat fat people, it like makes perfect sense that people fight so hard to not look like 
us. You know? Yeah, and the thing that's wild about it is, like, you look at the Rubenesque period. Like, you know, there's been periods of time where, like, you know, fat people were, like, like lauded and like worshipped and you know like the it it, gout used to be like like a royal disease or something because it's like if you got gout that meant that you were like fucking flying high and you were rich and you can like eat all of the best foods so it's like people wanted to get gout which that kind of blows my mind um (laughs) yeah that's cool yeah like it's just it's 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 definitely weird. I, I you said anti-fat, and it for some reason made me think of those like sweatshirts and stuff that you see where it's like anti-social social club. It's <laughs> like what about like an anti-fat fat club? <laughs> I like it. Yeah, no, we need that because yeah. like as like you okay. So this just the thing you the experience you described of running like you know, seeing this fat man in public eating cake and enjoying his life, like had such a visceral response for you because like, obviously you have also been dealing with the same pressures of like viewing fat bodies as being negative, obviously experiencing the way that people treat you because of your body. Like there's so much internalized anti-fatness that has to get detangled as well as like trying to, you know, hopefully affect change around you in your circles in like, you know, your family or whoever, like when you're trying to like have people look a little differently at things. There's also so much internally because you're so used to like hating yourself, feeling these things must be correct because so many people feel them about you, etc. Um, there's so much there that has to get like unlearned. And that's a challenge. I agree. And and your like point on on um diet programs and stuff, like Jesus. They're awful. Like <clears throat> I get it works for a lot of like for some people, not a lot of people, but like, you know, some oh. people can, can make it work. And um there was a period in my life where um I went through a plethora of diet programs in the pursuit of uh, losing weight. And I did at one point lose a ton of weight. And I was like, you know, back down to like the fucking size I was when I was like in 18 or whatever. And I could wear like, I, I used to travel, like when I moved around, I would have like clothes that one day, if I could fit in them again, I would be a worthy human being again. Yeah, I get. I got rid of that shit a long time ago. Like you know, now it's just about comfort and shit I can fit into. For sure. But I just you know that I was such a miserable cunt when I was on those diet programs that I just you know one of them was super successful, and it was a really fucked up one because it was like this human like growth hormone thing or so. You you took these drops every day. And then you were only allowed to eat 700 calories. So you were starving yourself. That's why it was so successful. Yeah. So I don't even know if there was like a grow, like a hormone or like, it could have just been like water in, in the fucking bottles where they're like, just, yeah, you know, take this and only eat 700 calories. And like, like children just, are supposed to have like, I don't know, like double that. Like, yeah. Well, and it's like my partner at the time, um, was also, into the the programs and uh you know a few times got mad at me that i was losing weight faster uh than she was and so i ended up having to like sabotage myself when i was on diet programs sometimes where i'd go like eat secret cheeseburgers because like i didn't want to like 
way less than her at the way out and get in trouble. This is not a unique experience. I guess I've heard this from other friends who have been in similar situations where they're both like dieting and it's such a thing. Like it's because there's so much pressure. Like and then there's that feeling. So it worked for you because starving yourself was successful and it didn't work for her for whatever reason, probably for good reason. Uh, but it, it, it brings on this feeling of, like, I can't even do this right. Like, I also yeah. can't lose weight right or or starve myself correctly. It, like, brings in such, like, a variety of feelings. It's, like, yeah, no, it's, it's fucked up. I'm really happy to hear that you ditched your aspirational clothing. That's an excellent step. Yeah, I kind of made a decision, like, like eight nine years ago that I'd rather be fat and happy than skinny and miserable. Like absolutely food is fucking awesome. I love food. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's like, yeah, it's not. Yeah. I don't know. I just like, I, I had to accept a long time ago that like, you know, I did, I had, I starved, the hell out of myself and I did lose a good bit of weight but I was still fat and I still experienced the same issues and like I was never gonna I'm never gonna be my body is never gonna be small it's just like not gonna happen um and I'm not going to spend so much just so much time and effort and mental space that I could put towards like literally anything else exactly and like no. And it's also just interesting the emotional labor and space that strangers put towards people. Like, I, it kind of blows my mind sometimes, like, how people can be so upset by people they don't even fucking know. It blows my mind. Yeah, it's just like, like you know, calm your jets, man. Yeah, I... I've like moved into a space where when people give me this reaction, I'm just like, I don't know why you're so obsessed with me, but like get some hobbies. Like I don't like why. And I mean, I know that when it comes down to some of it, it's that feeling of like when it's people who aren't fat and they see fat people existing happily and joyfully, like they don't feel that way. And they could never imagine feeling that way looking like, we do and they obviously do not feel that way about themselves at present and are probably still caught in that mindset of like even though they're not what we would consider fat like they view themselves as fat and they still view themselves as unworthy and so seeing someone who is larger and happy and not feeling those pressures not feeling shitty about themselves it's just like i couldn't imagine feeling like that and looking like you so like how dare you how dare you be so happy and like there's that like sentence that gets thrown around a lot with with that which is that like by being like that you're like promoting obesity and promoting this like like uh, promoting fatness or whatever it's fucking just ridiculous and like it just really comes down to people just like they can't fathom not hating themselves they're just like I couldn't imagine looking like you and not wanting to die, you know, because that's such a thing. Like there are stats about the way that people would rather would give up years of their life if it meant existing in like their ideal body, like not being fat or like 
you know, giving up, like, there are people who have, like, they've done surveys about people who would rather, like, die than be fat, you know? Like, it's such, it's, like, the worst thing they could possibly imagine, you know? So it, like, doesn't surprise me getting those visceral reactions because I know these things, but at the same, on the, like, on the other side, I just, like, get some perspective and some hobbies and, like, just, like, go away. I don't know. Like, I don't know. That's very aggressive. And I don't actually say this to people, but that's what I feel inside. Just that they need to just, like, go away and get some <laughs> hobbies. Like, I just, I don't know. If you're so bothered by seeing, like, my tummy like i don't know i'll just tell you there's just so many worse problems in the world than my tummy yeah and it's it's interesting too because <clears throat> i have a very um negative self-image of myself um and it it's a lot better than it used to be but it's still pretty awful um so i guess that says a lot about um it's interesting though, like hearing the exact opposite from like other people and partners and stuff where it's just like, I don't, I don't know if I believe you <laughs> because I don't believe, believe that, Like believe that you can feel good? No, that like, you know, so I like, I don't think that like, I'm like a, a good looking person by like standards or everything. Cause like, you know, I'm whatever, uh, all of the things. Um, so when, okay. when people say something that's contradictory to that, like, you know, I, I see, I struggle with believing that because it's just like, mm -hmm. are you just saying that to be nice? Because like, you know, I'm a I heinous see. monster. <laughs> <laughs> I, okay. I see where this is going. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a hard, that's, that's, that's one that like, you know, even as someone who is pretty, like I'm a pretty confident person and I'm like, I definitely have a lot of like, I, I, I still struggle with my self image, but I like feel really good about myself. Like most of the time, like I also experience that feeling. So I, I like, I, I get it. Like it's hard. I, I'm in a space where like, I'm like, yeah, I feel good about myself, but I don't trust you or anybody else to feel positively because the world has told me that people hate me because of my body. Like that's a really hard thing to shed when you're used to getting that message over and over again. It's like, okay, I hear you, but I've been told that you're wrong. So I just don't know how to not think you're wrong or you're lying or that you're not being truthful or that you're just trying to mind my feelings, you know? Um, so that's, that's a, that's a really tough one to like, ditch and I don't know I'll let you know when I get there because <laughs> like I I still feel like I probably demand a lot of reassurance from partners because I have a hard time trusting that people are earnest so like when it comes to that so I, I really I hear you on that I'm honestly impressed that six people still want to listen to us talk about fatness when we're supposed to be talking about photography <laughs> as a side note I'm like Bless you, six people. <laughs> well, I mean, <clears throat> so the the chats, it's called photography chat, but, you know, truth be told, I don't really want to talk about, like, the regular things that, like, all of the other, like, YouTube channels and um, 
you know, podcasts and, and shit talk about where it's like, tell me what your favorite focal length is. Like, what kind of film stock do you like to use? Like, you know, do you jerk off the Leicas in your... So. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, I'm still trying to figure out what this platform is. Um, but what I do know it is that it's it's access to people. And when I realized that, like, I have this access to people that, you know, typically most people don't get access to, I wanted to be able to learn more about the person and, like, what they're about and, like, what drives them and what interests them and, and what they're passionate about than what kind of gear they like using or like, you know, do they like shooting the landscapes or, or this and that. So I use the photography chat as like a way to be able to meet interesting people because, um, I can't really do that in the world today. For so, sure. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So it's loosely about photography, but you know, a lot of the chats have gone off into, you know, interesting conversations. This being That's one good. of them. For sure. And I mean, like, sadness definitely informs my work. Like, it's the center point of the things that I want to create because it's something that directly affects me. And I feel passionately about, like, destigmatizing. So, I mean, it's not not related, obviously. Um, but that's good to know. And I, I'm glad because, like, I also don't, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I have like two lenses. Every time I answer questions from photographers, like, because I have like, I don't know, a good setup and I don't know the kinds of things I do. Sometimes photographers will talk to me and like try to talk to people about, about gear. And I'm just like, I've got like two lenses. I like, I still use speed lights for things. Like I, I'm like studio trained and I know how to use it, but like, I'm very, I like to, I'm pretty basic in a lot of ways and I don't actually enjoy talking about gear at, at all. Um, it's one of my least favorite things to happen on dating apps is when like people find out I'm a photographer and they're like, Oh my God, can we like talk about gear? And I'm like, oh, I no. wish that we wouldn't like, I, because I don't care about like, I don't really care about what you shoot with or I would rather hear about, I'm happy to talk about photography and your work or whatever. But like, I don't give a crap about <laughs> here. And I just like, I'm not the person to talk about that with. So yeah. And you don't really want to open up the door to be like mansplained about camera. Honestly, stuff. it happens all the time. And I just like, I'm like, Oh, I just don't even care. I don't. Yeah. You can think you're better than me. That's fine. <laughs> I don't care if you are or aren't like, I just, it doesn't bother me. Um, but like I definitely this happened recently on a dating app where someone was like oh my god you're a photographer can we talk here and I was like no do we have to I don't want to <laughs> it didn't go very far I'll tell you <laughs> that conversation fizzled oh. out pretty quick oh dating uh, so much fun so much fun <laughs> uh, a blast especially in a pandemic a blast the best yeah like the it's been interesting like adjusting to the new world and how different it is in different places. So it's like, I have a ton of friends in the States that I, I love and I miss dearly that, you know, some of them, I haven't seen them since like, you know, late 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And for them, even though the pandemic is still, you know, raging madly down there, it's more or less open. Like they, they can, you know, do things, they can travel freely, they can go do whatever they want. And there's a big um, Polaroid thing happening in San Francisco next month, mm-hmm. which everyone's like, All right, you're, you're going to be there, right? And I'm like, no, I want to be there. But like, no, it's we're still in a pandemic, man. Like when... Mm-hmm. I started looking because I wanted to go and I was hopeful. I was so fucking hopeful. Like right before Omicron shat all over us um, and the government was talking about possibly removing the requirement for testing because mm-hmm. most of us were vaxxed and so it should be safe. Then Omicron and then it went from 72 hours, 24 hours. And like I priced out like how much it was going to cost for like the testing and stuff. And <clears throat> Just in testing alone, it was going to cost me almost as much as I was going to spend on the whole damn trip. Mm. And then it's like, what if you test positive while you're down there? Then all of a sudden your trip just got a whole lot more expensive. And I was just like, as much as I'd love to see you guys, um, that is a risk that I'm not comfortable taking right now. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. It's totally fair. Yeah. It's a bummer, though, because, you know... I'm going to have, like, mad FOMO when I'm seeing all the stories and shit. No, just don't look at them. Don't look at them. I hide things all the time. Do things all the time. All the time. Like, truly, I do. It's like self-care. I'm like, nope, mute it. No, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see you traveling. I don't want to see this. No, just found. No. If you could do anything right now, like, if anything was on the table and everything was possible, what would you do? I don't know. You don't know? I, I don't know, honestly. I mean, right now I'm supposed to be in Winnipeg visiting my friend, um, but I had to cancel my trip because things got, like, fucked, and I just was like, no. Um, so I would love to be there right now, truly. Like, I'd like to be in Winnipeg presently with her. That would oh. be nice. Yeah. So probably that. She must be a really important friend for you to want to go to Winnipeg and it's still kind of winter time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I like I I'm probably I'm probably moving to Winnipeg. So I'm, oh shit, really? Like <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna brave it for the rest of my life, theoretically. <laughs> really? Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, I'm just like I was I was uh, intending to already be on that track to moving. Um, I was gonna give up my apartment and be a bit nomadic and go visit her. Go do some stuff and then move there in the spring summer um so i don't really know what's happening with things just because i'm kind of just taking things as they come you know like we don't really know what's happening one day to the next right now so i'm not gonna i'm not making a lot of plans but um theoretically i intend to be there like this year so winnipeg's a cool city like i With the work that I, I've done over the years, I, I've had the opportunity to travel a lot through like Canada and North America. And you know, as much as people shit on Winnipeg, um, it's not the worst place to be. I mean, the weaker events have that. What's that? Brad. Yeah, it, it is. I always think about the weaker than song though. <laughs> it's like I hate Winnipeg. <laughs> 
<laughs> like I'm not. I'm sure it's. I mean, it's not perfect in like Manitoba. Like if you know, I mean, Ontario is also a dumpster fire politically. But like, like you know, it's just it's another city in a conservative province in Canada. But like Winnipeg in general, like it itself is like pretty progressive. Has a really cool art scene. It has it does, like yeah. a lot of great stuff. It has, and like for me, it has people that I love and. Um, I uh, I don't see myself staying in Toronto very much longer. Like, even if I wasn't moving there, like, even before I made that decision where I was like, I think this is the thing I want to do, I was like, oh, I can't, I don't know how much longer I can stay in Toronto. Like, I don't see it kind of being, like, long-term just because of of the things I do, of the people I know, like, and, and like, what I'm doing in Toronto. I'm just like, I don't know. It's, it costs so much to live here, and I just don't think I'm getting out of it what I need to to feel like it's worth. I like, like, I love Toronto, don't get me wrong, but I just don't see myself here long-term anymore. Yeah, it it is kind of expensive there, for sure. Like, it's... Um, I mean, you're in, like, Vancouver, so, right? You're in Vancouver, or...? Well, so, I am in Vancouver, but um, I kind of, like, won the lottery um, with where I moved to here because I, I get like such phenomenal rent in the place that I'm living in. Um, even with the studio that I've taken on recently, I'm paying just about as much as I was for my apartment in Toronto to have like my basement apartment in the studio here in Vancouver. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. It, it, kind of worked out nicely um i was a little surprised by that um now if i was paying what regular rents are here in vancouver um that would not be i couldn't afford that um you know the the rents here are just were goddamn ridiculous um yeah i think it's the most expensive city in the country right I th vancouver is i think it got most expensive city in north america yeah, I was going to say that, and then I was like, is that is that right? That seems yeah. like a heavy, heavy sentence. It beat everybody. <clears throat> and and it's a it's just, yeah, it's so expensive. And everything's a little bit more expensive here, too. Like, um, and I mean, BC's always been that way, though. Like, I remember when I was a kid and we first moved here from Alberta, um, people would always make jokes about BC, where it's like, BC stands for bring cash because everything's more expensive here. Um, so it's not a new thing. It's just, you know, cost of living has gone up across the board everywhere and wages have not. Yeah, for sure. Is fucking dumb, you know? You know, people need to pay more. Yeah, absolutely. Or we just need to become an actual, like, socialist government or whatever and, like, you know, give everyone a living wage. <laughs> wonderful ideas it would be a fucking terrific idea and it would probably be more cost effective for the government to do that than you know all the shit that they do currently like it's um absolutely and just think about how much more art and creation would happen when people aren't stressed about just living like that's something that i've always i've thought about for a long time is like why doesn't the government invest in its people because how many amazing ideas or innovations 
um, for, you know, anything are just like languishing and dying in like Starbucks and offices and, you know, fast food joints where like, you know, people that have amazing potential, but don't have the ability to apply it anywhere because they're just trying to live. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. This is why I can't sleep at night sometimes. Because <laughs> I think <laughs> about these kinds of things. It's just like, just go to bed. It's like, yeah, but what about this? No, <laughs> I got that. Yeah, it's, um, it's interesting. So I, I feel very lucky to be able to like, you know, be able to practice some kind of like creative thing and, and share it with people and, um, you know, have people support it. Um, it still, it still blows my mind that anyone was interested in, in buying like any of the books that, that I've put out. <laughs> of course they'd be interested. Yeah, but there's that whole like imposter syndrome thing that, I, you know, we all love and adore. I uh, know. I know. I feel it all, all constantly. I understand. I, I mean, I get why you feel that way, but I obviously think that you're wrong. But like, <laughs> I get why you feel that way. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I appreciate that. I've definitely been feeling it super hard since the studio, too, because like, I'll be super honest for, for a minute. I am not as excited as I thought I was going to be about the studio. And it's kind of made me more feel like an imposter than anything else has before. Okay. <laughs> Which is weird. I don't really know how to unpack that one. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's hard. Is it because like, it's like not aligning with your expectations of what you were going to do with it? Or is that you don't feel that you are capable of carrying out what, you want to do i think it's more of like a maybe i'm not worthy of it kind of thing because uh, like the space itself is is cool like it's, it's everything i could have ever asked for um i almost like if it wasn't so dank when i got it i probably would have left it looking like the old motel room that it was because it kind of had like a cool aesthetic to it Except that all of that stuff just needed to be gone and burned. Like it was, it yeah. was pretty gross. Um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it's neat, and like I'm, I'm hoping like as I spend more time there, um, it'll get to be a bit more interesting because there's a lot of other interesting creatives that are in that space too. Like I've met a few other photographers and some videographers and fashion designers, industrial designers, textile makers, like it's, um, a couple tattoo artists have, have opened up, um, you know, shops in there too. Like it's a really interesting, uh, community that, that is starting to form up there. So. That's really rad. It's different than what you do. Like you don't usually have a studio, so it's like a new endeavor for you. It might just take a little bit to like feel comfy and good. Yeah, like, I, what I wanted it for mostly was, like, being able to build a dark room. Because, like, my apartment's too okay. tiny to have a dark room. And I've been, since I moved here, I've been looking for a studio space where I would have access to water. But none of them were very affordable. Um, oh. And this is surprisingly affordable. Because they're going to tear it down and build a condo on top of it one day. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That sounds right. Building your own dark room sounds great. 
that should be pretty fun. But, yeah. Well, um, I think I ran out of questions. <laughs> Fair enough. Was there anything that you wanted to, to talk about? Any questions you had for me or anything? No, I don't know. Was I supposed to be prepared with questions? I, uh, I, I, I don't know. I'm so bad and put on the spot. I don't know. When I go to try to go to bed later, I'm going to think of all the things I should have asked you, but like present. <laughs> No, it's totally fine. You weren't you weren't supposed to prepare anything for this. Like honestly, I I don't prepare for for these at all. Um, mostly because I I can't really. Um, there's just only so much capacity I have to do of a lot of things now. Um, you know, post yeah. post accident. So um, I kind of I've applied the same thing I do at work a little bit to this where. At work, when I'm presenting things, I always leave my presentations a bit vague so that um, if I forget something, <laughs> no one knows I forgot it because it's not on the slide. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> or if I need to shift to something different, it's not there. So I have like the ability to freely move. So it's like, you know, if I want to do something different, I can. If I completely forgot and I'm fucking up, no one knows I did that. Um, so I've yeah. sort of applied that same method here where... It's just more of like an organic chat with um, mm -hmm. with someone, which is something that um, I kind of like because I, I feel like when you have like question answer kind of things where it's like all formalized, it gets like rigid and it's not as much fun. Yeah. You don't get to know the person better. Yeah, I definitely agree. It's a little easier to have like natural flow of conversation when you're not constrained you know yeah nobody likes being constrained unless that's their thing and you know good for them yeah, yeah. that's fine that's <laughs> like negotiated exactly <laughs> consent and safe words are very important absolutely <laughs> <laughs> well thank you so much for hanging out with me it was really great yeah. and um i'm i'll probably be in toronto in the coming months at some point. So definitely try to catch up. Um, if not, sure. I'll have to come to Winnipeg. There's some other people I want to visit in Winnipeg anyway. So Perfect. You know, it's always good to have Sounds another great. excuse. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much for being on. Um, I'll get Mokla to, yeah, definitely. I, I, you know, appreciate you agreeing to spend time with me and I, I value your time very much and you know everyone who came and hung hung out with us tonight you know thank you for hanging out i'm gonna get mocha to play us out here and <laughs> <laughs> um yeah. and then next week i'm gonna have karen hitterman um a friend uh that lives in toronto well she spends time between toronto and montreal uh but i met her oddly in the united states and it turns out she lived in toronto so we became photo oh, pals so she's going to be joining us on the chat next week and uh, you know thank you again for so much of your time and uh yeah you know, for sure everyone stay safe out there all right thanks all right. bye see you ashley Talk soon. bye, bye. <laughs>